This is the official HITS training and consulting podcast. We are America's law enforcement canine training resource. We're raising the training bar for police dogs everywhere by discussing the intricate details of the training techniques used by the experts. HITS radio is merging the training world with the real world. You've been there. We've been there too. Welcome to HITS Radio. I'm your host, Jeff Meyer. Today I have Ted Douse, one of our HITS partners here, and we're going to talk about a timely case that just came out. Today is May 24th, and just a few days ago, a very important case in my state, in Colorado, that deals with uh, marijuana uh, and dogs that are trained to detect marijuana. So if you have a dog that's trained to detect marijuana and you're in one of the states that's legalizing marijuana, talking about legalizing marijuana, or even uh, medical marijuana, I think that... Uh, this is going to be a great show for you because this is a, a case that unfortunately is not good for us and it'll probably be um, the case that shows the, the emerging trend of where we're at. So without further ado, let me uh, uh, introduce Ted. How are you doing today, Ted? Good, Jeff. How about you? I'm doing well. I know you've been traveling a lot, so I'm, I appreciate you jumping on, getting this uh, out there as timely as we could for our listeners. Yeah, timely is good. Four days old. Four days old. I'm sure you'll you'll touch base more on this. Uh, it hits. I'm sure when you're doing your your drug uh, legal update. Absolutely. So I don't want to step on your toes. I'm just going to let you kind of explain the background of the case, and maybe I'll chime in a little bit with a local perspective and stuff. But certainly, you can explain the case and uh, the consequences of it much better than I can. Yeah. Well, it all goes kind of back to to go full circle. Uh, I'll give a rough background on Colorado law that if you go back approximately 10 years ago or so, uh, Colorado was a reasonable suspicion state. And by that, I mean that you had a narcotics dog and it, it like a basic traffic stop. Um, Colorado was a little more restrictive in that they required the police officers to have reasonable suspicion to get the dog out of the vehicle. Uh, so officers were always looking for factors um, that would lead them to believe that some narcotics violation was afoot. And then if they had, you know, two or three good factors, they could get the dog out of the car to run the dog. Then, oh, roughly maybe six, seven years ago, approximately, Colorado shifted to what I mainstream in law. Um, they would follow the basic Illinois versus Cabalas rule, which was that what most of the states are that there was no real restriction or need for any reasonable suspicion or probable cause or any factors whatsoever that the dog could just be um, deployed around the exterior of the vehicle at a traffic stop routinely with the only issue being, you know, time and um, reasonableness of time related to the completion of the traffic stop. So it kind of came into the mainstream of law and it was that way for probably the last, I don't know, six years or so. And then, um, it kind of reared its ugly head up again, um, Colorado being a fairly liberal state. Um, one of the appellate courts about 18 months ago had decided that um, they thought that a drug dog used at a traffic stop should, um, now that marijuana is legal, raises issues again about whether you could use the dog at a traffic stop, whether you should go back to the reasonable suspicion standard, um, or was it going to be against mainstream law and follow federal law? 
So that kind of raised its head in a case called uh, People versus McKnight. And that's the decision that we're going to talk about here today, where apparently the Colorado Supreme Court, in a four to three, very close opinion, uh, with two huge dissents. Um, so the court was very divided. You could read the case and show that the majority for um, certainly not well liked by the uh, minority three, one being the chief justice of the court was in the minority, um, saying that basically it's kind of funny. You know, neither side advocated for this specific outcome. So that's kind of unique in law in and of itself um, that the court ended up saying, if your dog is trained in odors, multiple odors, and one of which is marijuana, since marijuana is now legal um, in the state of Colorado, and of course they talk about being 21 and some of the basic parameters, and you could have up to an ounce, um, that it's no longer contraband, and I'm using air quotes with my fingers there, because it's a legal substance. And because it's not contraband, they came out with a ruling that neither the defense was advocating nor obviously the police were advocating that you had to have probable cause to get the dog out of the vehicle that's trained on marijuana plus any other odor. And since it could detect a legal substance in the possession of someone in Colorado, that you had to have probable cause, which is a real big head scratcher. Um, normally, you don't get opinions that you know, side A is asking for X result and side B is asking for Y result. And the court comes up with, you know, something M. totally different. Yeah, totally yeah. different. Like, well, we're going to do our own thing and come down on the, probably the most liberal side of things that you can. And uh, the court really recognizes, I'll, I, I'll read to you from a footnote in the case of one of the dissenting judges, because when I first you know, read it and I first heard about it. I thought, well, this is really peculiar because what's it going to do to a dog, let's say, is marijuana, cocaine, heroin, and methamphetamine. And you know, I was like, well, I wonder if these guys really know what they're talking about when they they're talking about when they kind of came up with that conclusion because it's fairly harsh. You know, you think on your face, well, if I had probable cause, I could just write a search warrant. If I had probable cause, I could just, why did I get my dog out of the car? And I thought, okay, clearly I'm when I read this and get down and dirty on it like I did a couple of days ago, I'm going to find some caveats because what I'm reading in the newspaper or what I'm reading on the internet is probably not giving me the whole complete story. And hence I was wrong. Uh, as I read the footnote, I'm going to read right from the footnote. It says, by requiring probable cause, a standard that neither party advocated for in this case, the majority sua sponte renders the sniff of the dog trained to detect marijuana largely obsolete. And in most cases, there will be no need for a dog sniff if officers already possess probable cause to conduct a hand search themselves. And, and that, that was from a dissenting judge, obviously. Well, that was from a dissenting judge basically yeah. saying that, you know, we're putting marijuana dogs basically, you know, I guess maybe 90% out of business. I guess, you know, you could still use it for, jail settings and prison settings you can probably still use it for like probation and parole home searches and stuff because i'm assuming a felon hopefully in 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 denver uh 
still can't smoke his joints in his house or something like that. But um, whatever parameters are for ready for administrative searches or jail searches or something, the dogs still have a valid purpose related to that. But an ordinary, you know, state dog or municipality dog who's got marijuana uh, imprinted on them, along with maybe three other, you know, legitimate odors, heroin, cocaine, or methamphetamine, um, it really puts a damper on um, the use of that dog. Now, um, yeah. basically, I think they may make them obsolete, let's just say, for street work. Yeah, for administrative searches, like you say, I think you could use them. But we've been looking at this issue for years now and kind of gone back and forth. I've picked your brain many times over the years. And as you know, things change here in our state and around the country and stuff, you know, we've kind of changed our our ideas and a lot of the departments here luckily are ahead of the curve and just simply as the dogs were retiring did not put marijuana on their dogs unfortunately there are some that that still have you know fairly young dogs that um, are trained on marijuana that are now obviously scrambling right yeah and i should tell all our listeners because i know we get them from all across the united states and some international listeners to our hits podcast that um you know, this is a Colorado-specific case, and it was ruled under the Colorado state constitution. So um, it doesn't have any real effect on the other um, 49 states, um, and it doesn't have any it has zero effect on the federal government. So I should just say this. If you have a marijuana dog in the state of Colorado, along with like cocaine, heroin, methamphetamine, and you happen to come across... Uh, who knows a kilo of cocaine or something in your dog sniff if you can still take that case federal you're going to be just fine in federal court in the state of colorado with a marijuana dog um because the feds um do not follow this the united states constitution um is still good for a marijuana dog um but so it's only going to be applied to state court opinions or cases um, related in the state court of Colorado, not federal court. But you were right when you said early on in our podcast that it's a trend. It, it probably is going to show a trend of some sort because what they'll utilize the Colorado case for is to try to influence judges in other states that see what Colorado's doing. So, you know, we should probably try to do this here type of thing. And so it may have some influence on your state or it may not. But it, um, that's how they'll try to use it. So, and in the world of the law, it's uh, a, a case that could influence other courts, but sure. it's not mandatory or, or 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 authority over any other state court. And this this is going off on a little bit of a tangent. This is a a case that shows elections have consequences in wide ranges because we had a case that was real similar, um, and it was decided uh, was about three or four years ago when we talked about it that was in our favor on the same subject. And now the Colorado Supreme Court has changed and our state is getting progressively more liberal. So the court's now getting more liberal and, and we're seeing the opinions, you know, follow the the liberal part of the court. Yeah, there is an unfortunate consequence uh, in this particular case. And the essence of there was a the cases that were pro-dog and pro-handler a few years back were Esparza and Zuniga. And they came out on the side of um, the use of the dog. And then even though that marijuana is legal, that the dog still helped provide probable cause or could help provide probable cause. And the sniff was just a sniff or a factor in that. And you didn't need any reason to use the dog. Um, but 
that's the court was four to three in those opinions uh, by the uh, Supreme Court of Colorado. And um, I don't remember her name, but this is a little interesting backstory for our listeners, is that one of the female justices in, on those cases, uh, in a four to three opinion, pro-law enforcement, pro-dog, uh, then we get President Trump uh, elected to the federal government. And then he promotes that female judge from the Colorado Supreme Court to the federal bench in Colorado, which is a good thing in general. But then, uh, unfortunately for Colorado, in our opinion that we just came out four days yeah. ago at McKnight, uh, your former governor, Hickenlooper, then appointed a liberal female to replace, I guess, what would be a conservative female that got promoted by President Trump. And then hence the court swings now four to three in a liberal base on this particular issue. And then hence now it comes up a second time and the court swings the pendulum back the other way. And she votes the opposite way of her uh, first colleague that was that she yeah. replaced. So it's kind of an interesting, you're very correct. You think, well, you know, Trump wins whether you're pro Trump or not. And then you Trump appoints somebody off the bench and then the governor appoints somebody in her place. And next thing you know, um, the attitudes and the philosophies change on the Colorado Supreme Court, and you get a new whole new set of opinions on the same basic facts and circumstances of a dog running around a car. So yeah, it's uh, kind of unique. On elections have consequences not only on social levels and other levels across the United States, but they, they impact the courts and in the court's rulings. So in a nutshell, if you have a dog trained on marijuana in Colorado – other than administrative searches, you're out of business. Would you kind of agree with that? Yeah, it, it kind of looks that way. Administrative searches, uh, jail searches, um, and then, or, you know, if you happen to come across a case that's of uber significance, if you're still using that dog, um, of course, you can take those cases federally, and the use of that dog is still perfectly acceptable under the United States Constitution. But uh, as far as uh, being in uh, Colorado State Court, it, it looks like business. I'm glad you gave that example because that was one of the examples when I talked to somebody just today. And they said, well, suppose they work out in a little bit of a rural part of the uh, state, but they end up doing quite a few wall stops for different task forces coming through. And they do have a dog trained on marijuana along with coke, meth, and heroin. They do a lot of wall stops. They said, so now if I get a wall stop, then they tell me the guy's got – X number of kilos of cocaine, am I okay? I would think he probably would be because it's going to be a federal case. The dog's, you know, does what the dog does and it's still going to be a federal case. So with that... Right. The court, the Supreme Court of Colorado was very clear in their opinion that uh, it has no impact on federal law. And as a matter of fact, they have a whole section on federal law in the opinion talking how that um, they're distancing themselves from federal law. Uh, and kind of going in their own direction. Um, and just to give your li our listeners a real point of con context of how this really happens without going too much into depth like a law school class, but you have the United States Constitution. And the United States Constitution applies to everybody in the United States. But what states can do on limited circumstances uh, in some areas, and this is one of those areas, the states can go in and like the Colorado Supreme Court and say, we can provide our citizens in Colorado under the Colorado state constitution more protection and more rights and more privileges under the Colorado constitution. So the bottom line is 
They can't violate federal constitution. They can't give you less rights under the federal constitution, but they can give you more rights than the federal constitution provides and then label it as in we're giving you more protection under the Colorado constitution uh-huh. or what we would say is the state constitution. So they can't conflict with each other, but they can grant more rights under a state constitution. So that's what happened in this particular case. They're saying, okay, the feds do X. We're going to provide more than X because uh, it can never provide sure. less than X, that type of proposition. So that's where, so you get under an idea of, well, you know, maybe some people say, well, how can they do their own thing when the United States Constitution exists? And this was a ruling that it gives not less rights than the United States Constitution, but it gives you more rights than the United States Constitution. Yeah. So that's how it kind of pans out in the legal yeah. aspect of things. So they're not really in conflict because one's giving you more than the yeah. other. Um, that's how they justified under a legal yeah. principle, and so the, how you would have a valid use of a marijuana dog in federal court. But again, that would be invalid now, as of four days ago, um, in a Colorado state court. Yeah, and I guess on that same, you know, we talk about elections have consequences. Cases that we push through the system have consequences too, and this, in my opinion, was not the hill to die on on this case. So you know. It, well, yeah, it certainly wasn't the um, largest case of controversy ever presented yeah. to, to a court because it ends up being a meth pipe, and um, you know, and you know, was that really, uh, you know, that small amount of residue in the pipe? Was it case to fight over the significance of? drug detections and drug searches and seizures type of scenario you're right had this been maybe a who knows a quarter pound of meth instead of a you know a half a milligram um maybe the outcome might have been different it you know it's hard to say i just I, i was i never liked the case to begin with to be quite you know brutally honest i i just think uh we need to be careful about you know the battles we pick especially in a a state like mine that is is changing, you know, their attitudes were, you know, when I was younger, this was kind of a conservative state. And I think when, when we're going to pick these battles, we should probably probably pick and choose which ones we want to do. And I think that could be the same with you had the, the podcast we did about a month ago with the crazy federal ruling down by you for the traffic stops, you know? So I think we have to be careful with how much we want to push the buttons on, on some of these uh, cases. Yeah, it's true. The lawyers, you know, need to, whether you're the attorney general's office, the prosecutors that are arguing when they decide to file on cases, whether they um, go to Supreme Court of the United States or the Supreme Court of any particular state, you're exactly correct. Some some facts make bad cases. Yeah. So sometimes you punt and wait for a similar case with a better set of facts that would conquer that issue better for you. So sometimes... Uh, the lawyers are better suited uh, saying, oh, well, this is an issue, yeah. but why don't we wait? Because like in another six months, we're going to have something similar, but the facts will be so much better for our yeah. our side to argue. Um, and maybe I'll get a more favorable outcome because uh, there's more facts to it or yeah. it's more significant of a case or something along that lines. But um, yeah, you know, you never know, but I'll be honest with you. Uh, if Even if we increase the size of the meth to say that, yeah. You know, I don't know. It was five grams and it's yeah. moderately significant. I don't think that they would have said in the same scenario um, with these four yeah. judges and the way the opinion was written, it would really change their mind because it was really a, a liberal social type yeah. of bent. And 
That's um, a good point. You know, that that's really the undertowing of it is that you had just four liberal judges that um, kind of said, well, we're a legal marijuana state and if it's legal marijuana, we're going to leave that alone. Yeah. But let me just say this. So anybody, cause a lot of people have been asking me. So just to, we've been talking a lot about back and forth. If you happen to be in Colorado and you have only a cocaine, methamphetamine and heroin dog, yep. let's say, and that's all your dogs imprinted on. Um, the opinion really does not affect yeah. that because those would still be contraband and those odors would still be detecting illegally, purely illegal substances in the state of Colorado. So, um, it's only, those odors or other illegal odors and then combined with unfortunately the like say the fifth odor of legal yeah. marijuana that, is, that does affect and i guess if there's a, a bright side to all of this the courts did not send us back to reasonable suspicion for those dogs that are not trained on marijuana so you know they're they could have done that too so yeah they certainly did as a matter of fact i think that was one of the fallback positions of the government yeah. You know, it worst comes to worst, let's just go back to reasonable suspicion. And as the court said, uh, well, we're just going to jump that one and go right to probable cause, which, um, you know, I, I guess they knew what they were doing when, you know, my, does it, it's a head scratcher. If I have probable cause, why would I get my dog out of the car? It doesn't make any, that's that legal aspect of it doesn't really make any sense other than they intentionally did what they yeah. did to screw the dog yeah. handler. So, but if I have a dog that is not trained on marijuana in Colorado, do I need reasonable suspicion or can I just get him out, run him on? No, because yeah. that's the way I that's read the I case. You do not need yeah. reasonable suspicion. There, That's going to be stand, heroin is contraband, yeah. cocaine contraband, let's say methamphetamine contraband. And you do not have a right of privacy in yeah. uh, odor of contraband. So what they're saying is, is basically, um, if you mix in marijuana as like the fourth odor, well, then you can't tell me um, that the dog is not alerting to yeah. an, an illegal substance, which is not yeah. contraband. So therefore, since you can't tell me uh, which one of the four odors the dog uh, is alerting to, and it could be legal, um, non-contraband. So therefore, they're saying that you have to have probable yeah. cause, which basically puts the dog out of sure. business. But if it's heroin, cocaine, or methamphetamine only, the dog imprinted on, it seems to be status quo, yeah. that you could have a traffic stop, run your dog, because your dog's only then going to alert to a odor of a true illegal contraband yeah. substance. So I guess I was not completely lost on that. And, I, and for people who are listening and uh, wondering how things are going here, I'll tell you that we've been a little bit ahead of the curve on this. I was probably one of the ones who fought it more for a while saying, no, let's keep doing marijuana. But then uh, several years back, I started seeing what just some of the DAs without any ruling, some of the DAs just simply says, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to take a case. If your dog's got marijuana, I don't want it. So our hands were forced in some different counties simply by DAs making their own decisions early on, not taking cases. So it's not going to, the effect here, like I, I uh, talked to a vendor because we're getting ready to buy a, a dog just by coincidence for our department for a narc dog. And uh, the vendor said, oh, I bet I get a bunch of calls from Colorado. And I told him you'll get a few, but I just don't, I, overall, um, I, I don't think it's going to be a, a huge drastic change here in Colorado, luckily. No, I think you're right. I think the trend in Colorado was rather be safe than sorry. So when they were retiring dogs and bringing in new ones, I think the majority of departments were 
not imprinting on marijuana. So uh, I don't know what the true number really would be, but I bet you the ratio is pretty fair that, um, you know, I don't know, maybe 50, 50. Oh, it's, I, I, um, I, I'm going to tell you, it's uh, probably much lower than that of still being on marijuana. It's the, uh, so you think maybe like 20, 80 or not yeah, marijuana dogs and 20, 25% probably have marijuana. I would say would be a, a rough okay, so well it's, not, it's the, not the end of the world. It's an important decision, yeah. but it's the uh, sky is not no. falling. Then if 75% of the dogs are still can be utilized yeah. because they're not on marijuana, it's not no, and, uh, yeah. that drastic of a change. And some of the agencies I've already talked to them. If they have a, a good solid dual purpose dog, then that dog will be a single purpose patrol dog until he retires. And, the other, the other right. newer dual purpose dogs that aren't on wear marijuana will pick up the slack. So it's not a, it's not the sucker punch to to drug enforcement here in our state. I mean, it's a, it's annoying. Yeah, and it, like it. you said, if it's dual purpose, you still have got a a, a very excellent yeah. patrol dog. So, so. Um. well, I appreciate you jumping on here, Ted. I just want to get this out. So this will be out uh, just about one week to the day from the uh, decision coming out. We like to have everything coming out as quickly and timely as we can with our, you know, hits and our classes and everything. And again, I know you'll you'll touch on this again in Chicago. Yeah, sure will. Because you uh, you is our main sponsor out at Hits, which is going to be in Chicago, Illinois, the thirteenth through the sixteenth at uh, McCormick Place in the Hyatt, which is in Chicago. So uh, we thank you, Canuba, for sponsoring Hits two thousand. 19 and i certainly will make a uh have this as a part of 10 10 minutes of my two-hour presentation for sure and guys can always stop you in the hallway or grab you after class and pick your brains i always see guys coming up with the what ifs and seems to be uh something that you're pretty pretty good at analyzing a problem and walking through with them so that's always a, a good benefit of hits is all the networking that we do absolutely sounds good ted we will catch you on the next show and Again, everybody, if you like this type of topic and you want to learn more about it, check out our, our page. It's hitsk9.net, hitsk9.net. They'll show you all the different classes we have, all the instructors that we have coming to Chicago. We are the largest seminar. We have over 100 vendors coming this year. So if this is something that you're remotely interested in and you've never got to do it, now's the time to sign up. You'll save some money on registrations and you'll immensely enjoy yourself. We have never had anybody who said that it was a terrible conference and I'd never come back. So most of our people re repeat as often as they possibly can. So hopefully we'll see you guys all in August and thanks and be safe out there. HITS Radio is brought to you by the professionals at HITS Training and Consulting. Don't miss out on the world's largest law enforcement canine training conference coming to the McCormick Center in Chicago, Illinois this August. HITS has the most diverse class schedule to fit your training needs. And with over 100 vendors, you'll find everything you need to gear up for your next shift. Register today and save at www.hitscanine.net.